when government is as easy to use and as friendly as, as Amazon.com retail website is, then we know that we've kind of, cloud has become a really useful piece of technology for our citizens. And I, I think we're nearly there. And I think this process that we're going through right now with Corona is going to accelerate things. Hello and welcome to Explain It, brought to you by Softcat, the show for IT professionals by IT professionals that aims to simplify the complex and often overcomplicated bits of enterprise IT without compromising on the detail. Welcome back to another lockdown episode of Explain It. I'm your host, Zach Abbott, and over the next 20-ish minutes, I'll be challenging our panel of experts to take an area of the IT ecosystem and, of course, explain it. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the versatility of cloud technology, how it's being used to help the fight against coronavirus, how organizations are using it to keep operating, and where we will see the technology go in the future. Joining me today to discuss this is Dean Gardner, Softcat's Chief Technologist for Cloud, and Wayne Phillips, Worldwide Public Sector Partner Manager at AWS. Wayne, Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we all live our lives currently through video calls. Uh, but my question to you today is if you could choose three people to come on a video call with you, who would they be and why? Wayne. So I'm going to choose three historical characters. So the first one, uh, and apologies to our Italian listeners for butchering his first name, is Guglielmo Marconi. I shall, I shall call him Mr. Marconi from now on, because um, Guglielmo is a bit tricky for me to say. But, you know, people will remember him as the inventor of long-distance radio communications, right? So in the 1920s or slightly earlier, in fact, he uh, perfected the, the business of being able to communicate over wireless radio. So that would be my first, Mr. Marconi. Secondly would be um, a contemporary uh, of his, Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, now, he's noted for and remembered mostly for the invention of the telephone. Uh, and my last guest would be another name that probably isn't unfamiliar, uh, would be John Logie Baird, uh, the inventor of television. So I think those three would make a, a great uh, trio of folks to, to have a conversation with uh, 100 years on from those sort of groundbreaking uh, landmark inventions of theirs. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and three genuinely well thought out links. And Dean, I'm sure yours are gonna be as well thought out and uh, as connected. Absolutely not, Zach. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so mine, mine aren't as uh, certainly as interesting and as well thought out and well, well informed as, as, as Wayne's. Mine are a footballer, a politician and a comedian. I've gone for um, Pele, Mandela and, and Billy Connolly. I just think that'd be fantastic. Miss my football dearly. I think Pele, best footballer ever. My wife is South African and Mandela's a, a pretty much a legend. Um, just generally, I think everybody's aware of that. And Billy Connolly, again, I think comedy genius. And between them, um, I think it would be fantastic. But I think Wayne's, uh, in terms of the, uh, the relevance for where we are today and everything that we use, I think his three are fantastic. Nice. They're both both very good answers, guys. Unfortunately, they are both incorrect. The correct response to that question was, of course, three David Attenboroughs. Okay. <laughs> so, guys, we've heard that cloud is playing a crucial role in the fight against coronavirus. At this time, what have you seen cloud technologies being used for? Yeah, great question. Um, I think what we're seeing is probably a couple of things, really. Um, one of which is a continuation of the way the world was before COVID-19. 
So I think we were already on a on a trajectory with cloud, and we'll, let me come back to that in a second. And I think the second one then is the novelty of the new use cases and the way in which cloud has been able to kind of interpose itself in a way into the um, the necessity and the needs that we've seen over the last few weeks, and perhaps in a way doing things that probably customers wouldn't have necessarily thought cloud was likely to be their first uh, port of call. Maybe eventually, but certainly it's accelerated the use uh, the use cases for cloud, I think, in a way that probably we wouldn't have imagined if we'd have thought six, eight weeks ago, oh gosh, that is that application or is that customer going to move this workload or this particular uh, work stream to the cloud? So let me go back to the sort of the trajectory piece for a second. Uh, so I've been in public sector all my life and uh, uh, joined AWS, as I said, from being retired with the intention of staying for three months and six years later, I'm still here. Uh, and, and I do that because I'm passionate about the cloud. I absolutely am amazed at the way that the cloud has truly transformed the public sector and the way that public sector both runs its own business, but more importantly, uh, the way that public sector works with citizens, the way that they interface with citizens, that, you know, there's been a huge transformation. We can talk more about that later on. But I think that trajectory, we were already seeing cloud becoming the new normal. UK government, of course, has got a cloud first and then a cloud native policy, meaning that they, uh, government departments and agencies should be thinking about using cloud ahead of using legacy and on-premises systems. So we were already starting to see that. But really, this uh, COVID-19 period has really accelerated it. And we've seen lots of new use cases coming up. Some are pretty obvious. You've seen schools and the whole education system uh, shifting from, from uh, an in-person classroom based to an online classroom based and other types of remote learning. But we've also started to see that in the realms of telemedicine, for example. So NHS in Wales is doing an incredible job equipping all of their GP practices now to be able to do remote telemedicine. That's just an extraordinary shift. And you think, you know, if this hadn't happened, we'll call it this, if this hadn't happened, how many years would it have been uh, before we would have seen that? I, I, and I'm going to say, I don't think we'd have seen that in many, many years, right? We we might have seen it as an option. We might have seen it as a as as being sporadically implemented in some places. But the fact that they've rolled that out across the whole of their GP infrastructure in Wales is in, in such a short period of time is, is truly remarkable. So I think there's lots of examples like that. And we can kind of go on and dive into a few more a bit later on. But I'll, I'll get off my soapbox and hand it over to Dean. Yeah, so so just echoing really. So I mean, we're seeing the education piece. I think has been phenomenal. How schools have had to adjust at all levels as well, all grades, um, and obviously it's a it's a mixture of how uh, remote learning and and basically uh, giving those classroom based access to to students and, and and shipping devices to people to be able to uh, allow their kids to log in and do those things. I think it's incredible how that's been mobilised and the money from the Department of Education as well that's become available to do that and accelerate that. Um, and we're seeing also, you know. That remote doctor stuff you know we're working with companies like babylon at the moment and, and they're, they're heavily invested in the likes of aws and their business has expanded dramatically over the last few months for obvious reasons and even down to local government where you know local government historically wasn't the fastest to market in terms of using tools and naturally using collaboration and being able to mobilize their staff in a way where they can still carry on supporting the local authorities i think that's definitely happened and it's accelerated in, in, in that space and it's the same across the commercial space you know businesses all over as we all know working in this way the uptake of of those collaboration tools and being able to still carry on and work together and do these kind of vc sessions if you will and 
even us to be able to do this podcast, it's still possible and it's even more so. And, and it's opened up, I think, a lot of individual innovations and, and switching on technology to allow in, in individuals to become more aware of the technology. So they're almost becoming, a they're learning on the job, basically. They've got no choice. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a positive thing. And it's incredible when you see some of the, the growth from those companies that are releasing these technologies. You know, it's obvious that it's being attributed to what's going on. And the key thing for me is that it's going to accelerate that digital agenda. It's going to accelerate this way of working. It's going to make businesses rethink about how they uh, essentially run their businesses in future. I saw a quote the other day from the, the chap who runs Barclays in the UK. And he was saying, look, you know, we've got all this office space. And actually, you know, as a business, we're still being able to function. So we're going to see a lot of organizations that have a lot of real estate looking at it going, do we need it? And I think the positive that will come from this is that it's just challenging the norm um, that we were used to three, four months ago. And to be honest, it's the direction of travel. And if it can accelerate it and it can become a balance as to where it fits and where it doesn't fit and allow us to make those decisions, then it's a positive, a big positive, in, in, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something that's of huge importance at the moment is uh, coronavirus testing, obviously. Um, does cloud technology have a role to play in that? I, I think what we're going to see, and, and we're already seeing certain references coming out where um, projects are being deployed, and this is a global um, effort as well into cloud to be able to do analytics and testing and research because you can. And actually, you know, the likes of AWS and, and there are obviously other public clouds, they have that scalability to allow a research and development and certainly developers to be able to use those technologies and scale up and scale down as they, as they see fit. And, and we know that that's where cloud comes into its own with the agility. But ultimately, it's about results and the analytics and the uh, data that's put in to then produce results to then get to a quick answer, which is ultimately what we want for this particular crisis. And I think what we'll see post COVID, if, if there is such a thing or will be such a thing, because it will just continue, in my opinion, in terms of what's going to happen. But there will be a lot of referenceability, I think, coming out of it and learning um, on what's possible. And I think we're going to see a lot of examples where cloud technologies allowed us to get results a lot quicker. Um, we're seeing, as I say, a lot of uh, research and development going in that direction because you can. And I think we're going to see a lot of results off the back of that. So, Dean, you're absolutely right, and uh, I, I can really kind of put a bit of colour on what you're saying there because um, my normal day job is that I look after our partners across Europe, Middle East and Africa. But my today job, which has been going on for a few weeks now, has been very much about supporting our partners that are working on uh, testing programmes for the NHS. Um, so, as you know, probably you do know that the NHS is a bit of a fragmentary beast. There's, there's NHS England, there's one in Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland as well. And we don't actually have a universal UK-wide process for this or mechanism for this. But nonetheless, uh, going back about three or four weeks ago, when the whole issue of antigen testing, in other words, testing people to see whether they've got coronavirus, and doing that at scale became a sort of a big national topic of conversation. And it still is a national topic of conversation every day. People are sort of looking at the numbers and saying, are we testing enough? Are we testing the right sort of people and so forth? So the NHS, uh, we, we lent in and helped the NHS build an application for firstly, registering key workers. So the key worker registration process, because they were the priority people to test. These are frontline NHS workers and people who who support the uh, the direct fight against coronavirus. Uh, so registering those people and actually making sure that they had the ability to get tested frequently, as frequently as necessary, is, is a huge national effort. And um, 
And it's really done in three ways. One of which is that you have to register on the platform. That's right. But then the three ways is that you get tested at your place of work. So you can get tested in the hospital. You can get tested in a drive through and you've all seen these sort of large unused supermarkets and out of town shopping center car parks that have been converted to drive through testing centers. And the third way is home testing. Uh, so we built the key worker registration portal, uh, which runs on the uh, government.gov.uk website. So we, we built that. And then secondly, we've also built the fulfillment process for Amazon Logistics to send the home testing kits. So joining up our normal Amazon e-commerce platform to a government website, you know, you could imagine the challenges associated with that. That's not something that you would do every day, right? That's a That was kind of a unique challenge in and of itself. Uh, but it's one that I've got to say that our team um, did uh, with remarkable speed uh, as a one Amazon effort. AWS is a part of Amazon, but generally we don't really work that closely with Amazon, you know, we're um, not from a retail perspective, at least, but being able to get that team together. And then after we built this, we hand it over to the customer and the customer then needs somebody to support it and maintain it. And that's where our partner ecosystem comes in. So we've got a partner who was very well known by the health service. They were already doing a lot of stuff with NICE and other health agencies and bodies who had the ability to step in. They knew the technology that had been developed in, which is all serverless technology. So if you're familiar with Lambda and DynamoDB, these are the sort of technologies that we used on it. So real kind of cloud native leading edge stuff. And they, the partner has now picked up the responsibility to, to manage and support that service. And then rinse and repeat because NHS in Wales had a very similar requirement. In fact, you know, just the same, but with their own different ways of doing things. They had their own different business processes in Wales. Uh, so we had to build an application for them to do something similar. Same approach, hand it over to the customer who then engages with a partner to support it. So that's antigen testing. And that's very, very important. We've seen that that's going to be scaled a bit larger than it has been for key workers. But going forward, the thing that's going to be the key, I think anyway, the key to getting us out of not just lockdown, but getting us back to work and getting us back to feeling comfortable about leaving the house even, is antibody testing. So this is the test, which is a very different sort of test. It's not the same one, which is a swab down the throat and up the nose, uh, which needs to be performed you know, in a, in, a, in a very specific manner. An antibody test is, is basically a small blood test. Uh, you get a testing strip, a bit like anybody that's diabetic will be very familiar with these. You prick your finger, you put some blood onto the test strip, and it tells you some information. The problem is, is that nobody at home, unless you're a doctor or a medical professional, will really have the ability to interpret that. It's incredibly hard for a lay person to know what that result means. Yeah, you've got your result on a stick, but what does it mean? And this is where technology really begins to kick in and really is a game changer. This is where AI comes in. So if you imagine that test strip and you could capture an image of that test strip using a smartphone with an AI augmented web app, which would tell you when the lighting's right, when the focus is right, uh, when the scaling is right, that you've got the camera in the right position. And when it's happy with, with the picture, it takes the photograph, sends it off to the AI. The AI has been trained by medical experts who know how to interpret that strip. They know exactly what they're looking for, and they train the AI in the way that a doctor would examine or a medical practitioner would examine that strip, except that they can do that at an unlimited scale. We can do that at population scale. We can test 40 million adults with that system, and not just once. We can test them every month if we like. We can test them for the next three years if we like, because that system will scale 
up when it needs to scale up, it'll scale down when it needs to scale down. We can even switch it off when we need to switch it off and just start it again tomorrow. You know, so the, this, the, the cloud with its elasticity, with its scalability, but also with the performance, because we can't wait days for the results for these tests to come back. People need to get the answer back on their smartphone at the speed at which they sent the data up to the smart up to the up to the AI to get processed. So that round trip processing of telling people where they are in their coronavirus journey, whether they've got it actively, whether they have had it, uh, whether they are clear of it, whether they've never had it, all of that is really only possible if you do antibody testing. So that for me, together with vaccination, is the way that we're going to return the world to being normal and uh, technology around vaccine. AI is being used extensively, by the way, in modeling the way vaccines should work, because the vaccine program is bringing something to market in six months, which would normally take two and a half years. And that's, again, is only possible by pharma companies and researchers using technology to model that stuff. But also this business about antibody testing, being able to do population scale testing, where everybody kind of feels comfortable with doing it. They feel as comfortable with this as they would you know, just taking their temperature. It's no more complicated than that. And I think these are the two things that are going to help. And the key thing there is, I think you, you touched upon one of the challenges. Naturally, it's something that can be done in a particular country, even in the UK, you know, Wales and the way the health system works, it needs to be done separately. Uh, but but fundamentally, if these systems can be rolled out, it, for me, it needs to be a global effort. If this technology is available, the only way you're going to get or the, the, you know, the multiple countries, that insular kind of thought process of looking after the country and the people in it is great. But going forward, it has to be a global effort. And with that data that's being harvested and with the results that are coming out the back of it, ultimately, that is where it becomes, for me, one of the most important things. And the cloud platforms, and, and it doesn't matter if it's one or all of them, but being able to analyze all of that data in some way off the back end to produce the, the, the shaping, if you will, of, of how to resolve and quickly get results is critical. I think that the, the companies like you know Microsoft, AWS, Amazon, AWS, and Google these these hyperscalers that sit in that space they're all working in that in that kind of way where they want to provide support, provide investment as well, and there's a lot of investment from them into be able to accelerate these kind of results. And these are the sort of things that even two, three, four years ago just weren't possible. And so as much as we've got this, you know, global pandemic where naturally we've got to this situation, I think, as I say, the learnings coming out of um, going through it and coming out the back of it, just the speed of which we can get results, as long as we can manage that data on the back end, we should be able to respond as a in a global effort quicker than we could have ever have done previously. Okay, brilliant. So we've seen that cloud technology has also been a fantastic tool in allowing the continued operation of many organizations. Can you guys tell us a little bit more about what you've seen from organizations mobilizing their cloud infrastructure? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the best examples I can think of is the way that the government has been able to support uh, workers through the furlough scheme. If you would have imagined that government IT would have been able to, in the space of under a month build a system that allowed effectively what's reverse taxation right that's how that support scheme operates uh, to take the paye system and to change the polarity uh, so that the cash flow goes the opposite direction instead of it going to the government it kind of comes backwards into employers you think about how complex the taxation system 
system is in this country. Just the taxation legislation. If you ever had the misfortune uh, to look at taxation legislation, you'll know that it's longer than the Oxford English Dictionary. And I mean, the big version of it, you know, it spans about 13 volumes. It's incredibly complicated. Uh, so for an organization like HMRC, which perhaps is, uh, you know, one of our largest government departments, uh, and perhaps in that sense, being polite, and I'm sure they wouldn't disagree, is perhaps not built for speed, shall we say. But they've been forced to operate with an enormous amount of speed. And it's incredible how they've been able to uh, to turn that system uh, around in such a short period of time. And I'm going to say, of course, because I work for a cloud company, it would have been impossible to do any of that if it wasn't for cloud. We wouldn't have even had the equipment landing in the country to be able to install in a data center in the time that it took for them to be able to build and, and go live with that system. Uh, when I used to work for IBM back in the 80s and 90s, I used to look after the MOD, the military, at the time of the first Gulf War in 1991-92. And uh, I had a, a green card, we used to call it in IBM, from my country managing director because I could jump the queue because there was a national priority to get hold of mainframes and disk drives and PCs and all the stuff that was required by the military when they went to war to support the war effort. And even, even then, it still took about four to six weeks to get hold of equipment because ultimately it has to be built. Somebody has to build a disk drive. They has to build a mainframe. Cloud infrastructure has got capacity. Yeah, we, there have been some, some instances where cloud vendors have had some capacity issues, but I think they've generally not been uh, business or mission critical to our customers. So the ability to absorb that workload into the cloud, if you think how many hundreds of thousands of servers AWS has in our UK region and how many millions of servers that we have in our global infrastructure, you know, we just have an enormous capacity. Uh, so so firstly, that's, that's number one, the ability to have capacity to do something uh, significant that would normally take you a long time. The second thing is cloud technology through the way that the development environment and the testing environment operates, accelerates the whole process. You know, you can build an application, which is a complex application, which has many interfaces and touch points with other systems. You can just build that much more quickly using cloud technologies. So we can debate that and talk about that a bit more if you like. But the reality is, is that things that would have taken months to build in the old world can be built much more rapidly. And then they can be tested to make sure that they work because nobody wants to launch a, 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 a business critical or in this case, national critical infrastructure system that fails, right? It would be a disaster if that system went live and it didn't work. So testing it and making sure that when it goes live, it's got the ability to scale, it's got the resilience, it's got the security. And in other words, it earns the trust and gains the trust of the users. That all to me is super duper important. So the work that HMRC, HMRC did uh, with setting up that system, I think is a just a brilliant example. And I can't really think of a better one because of the scale, because of the complexity, because of the environment that it operates in, and because of the criticality to make sure that people get paid and businesses keep continuity. You know, I think there's nothing more important other than testing uh, than anything that's going on in this country at the moment. And and I think it's fair to say that, that the continuation of that, because these systems will go live and there's going to be learnings daily 
hourly as to what works, what doesn't work. And actually, the the levels of um, programs uh, that, that the government obviously has announced to support those in such a short space of time is is going to be a, a huge challenge. And but the public expects when they log in or when they access for that particular individual, the system's going to work because it doesn't take a lot for one or two not to be able to get to something or do something for it to make the news. So so the, yeah, the responsibility, you know, that after the deployment of these technologies, hence why obviously there's been a gap to get not only the processes in place, but obviously the technology in place to support it, I think it's going to be, I agree, incredible. Hopefully it works and it all does the job it's supposed to do. But again, the learning that will come from it, I think will be um hopefully, you know, beneficial to everybody. Um, but the bits we're seeing actually from a lot of our customers is a reassess of things like data management, you know, people who have things like take backup, as boring as it might be, ultimately a lot of companies, they, they basically can't get into data centers. So so they are, you know, we've seen an uptake of, um, and certainly more conversations with customers on looking at technologies, backup technologies and disaster recovery or business continuity technologies, which allow them to swing some of their um, existing environments back into or into public clouds um, as, as a bit of a, an insurance policy. And we're, we're just seeing more of that over the last, certainly the last three or four weeks. Um, and um, I don't think that's going to stop. And, and you know, virtual desktops for, for years, people have said it's a year of EDI and um, and it probably will be. I think what my, our colleague Adam Harding said it, I think, a few times. But I think this year we're seeing, you know, the virtual desktop um, world essentially emerging um, as part of the whole uh, mobilization piece of user and, and and certainly I think that will continue and using cloud as the platform to deploy virtual desktops we, we've seen a lot of activity in that in the last month in addition to all the collaboration tools we're, we're helping customers configure so so those things I think will just carry on and and I think you know we've said it a few times this crisis is if it's doing anything it's allowing people to potentially do technology that was on the roadmap, but just they've just brought it forward and accelerating a lot quicker than they would have ever expected. Uh, some people are saying that cloud technology is an easy buy, but harder to get the most out of from an end user perspective. Uh, what would you say is the best way for organizations to maximize their cloud capabilities? I think those that have not um, kind of or, or, or attempted to look at where they can um, measure outcomes from using technology, um, those that haven't invested in technology in the way that actually benefits the business over the last few years, we're seeing already evidence that through this process and through this crisis, there's some some struggling um, organisations. Some of it, you know, is, is you can't help. Some businesses just, you know, they just it doesn't matter what they're digital experience is like but fundamentally there's a lot of companies out there that haven't invested and in, or underinvested in technology and i think the key thing there is that it's measuring the outcome if you're investing in doing something making sure that you're seeing the benefits off the back of it just echoing what wayne said but also i think the key thing for me is there's an there's been an education gap in terms of where te- certainly cloud technology can play a part we're working with a lot of people that work in um, IT that, you know, they've worked on with on-premise infrastructure and, and they know server storage networking. They know how to configure VLANs. They can configure switches and they can do all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't translate. I think what we're saying is that the lift and shift doesn't translate and the way things are pulled together within public cloud does not translate. It is a Lego box of bits. And fundamentally, you have to know and be educated on how to use those bits for providing the outcome that's required for the requirement of that business. And I think what we're seeing is that organizations are now looking into how they can um, use the technology to benefit, measure the outcome, and then look at that digital experience in terms of what they're providing the end user. And I think 
think, you know, government is absolutely going for a fast track process. But we're also seeing a load of other organisations, I think, out of this will definitely be reviewing that and looking at where their budget goes and looking at where they spend their money. Yes, spending it more wisely, but fundamentally using it for the right reason, not using it for everything, using it for the right reason, for the right outcome. I do I do look at it and say, well, the experience from the end user, it's like anything, even even the tools we're using, as they're all using today, a lot of users out there wouldn't have used those tools historically. So they're using them. There's a benefit. So so the, these collaboration tools that we talk about, they're going to, you know, when people go back, they're going to carry on using those tools because they're used to using them for a two or three month period where they've seen a benefit. And it's the same for, you know, what Wayne said there, the applications that are being developed and, and configured. You know, people are going to look at how they do those things. And in this period, hopefully, and we're seeing this already, a lot more people doing training, a lot more people doing education on how to use these technologies and you know as from my perspective taking that back into the organization that they go back to i just think there's going to be more focus on doing it to to improve that end user customer experience and and technology absolutely is a, is the foundation for that um, in most cases fantastic thanks guys that about brings us to the end of the episode uh, dean before you go uh, can you give us a quick 10 second summary how has cloud technology been used in the fight against coronavirus how has it been used by organizations to ensure business continuity and what are we likely to see in the future so i mean we've we've seen just by the, the the mobility of people that cloud technology has enabled us to work in these ways um, we've seen a lot of organizations having to respond very quickly to continual demands for their customers and cloud has been a way to be able to deploy and public sector certainly is being able to deploy and develop certain technologies to facilitate the citizen and the end user in ways that were never thought possible um, and going forward the learnings from that will just accelerate and i think open up the opportunities to do more in that way well, not quite 10 seconds, but I'll let you off. Thanks, Dean. Well, that's it for this episode of Explain It. Dean, Wayne, it's been great talking with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Zach. If anything in this show has piqued your interest or you'd like to talk to someone at Softcat about anything we've discussed on the episode, you can reach us at podcast at softcat.com. Also, make sure you click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Explain It from Softcat. Softcat.